This is In Tune, the in-series podcast, opening up to you your own in-series opera that speaks, theater that sings, an oasis of intimate, innovative, and inspiring ideas about music, theater, art, and opera. I'm your host, Timothy Nelson, Artistic Director of In-Series, and this is a Inspired in Times of Crisis episode. Um, this has been at the heart of my heart in the past several weeks. Um, that beyond cancellations and postponements and relief fundraising and the everydayness of a time that is anything but everyday, has been a real sense that um, there's something beyond all of this that can be that can be gleaned, that beyond all the terror of profound suffering, which is both fiscal and financial, um, is also a rare chance for an entire species to reconsider itself. One of my favorite lines from any opera, which I think I've mentioned here before, is from John Adams' Nixon in China, which uh, is in equal parts the brilliance of Adams, but also its librettist Alice Goodman. And one of her lines in that opera said by Pat Nixon is, let the face of the Statue of Liberty change just a little, let her look inland. And I find new resonance with this line because I think in, in this moment it extends beyond um, us as a nation, but to each of us personally and to all of us collectively as humans. Uh, in the same way that the American century has given way to the global century, this line of poetry can be applied to a global community now, which is having the chance to regard itself, its own values, its own priorities, and in exactly the same way as Plato's Republic is a guide really for building the individual, the individual soul, so uh, is this opportunity for collective pause um, also built on each of us, letting our faces change just a little, letting ourselves look inside and consider what we have held to be true, which is not true, and what barriers are fictionals and what truths we have not remained aware of or, or given recognition to. For in-series, this has meant really thinking about the role of the arts in a time like this, and particularly of a small arts organization. Most of the chaos which is currently overtaking the nonprofit sector, we are shielded from by having a lack of things, by a lack of having. We don't own a building. We have only a small core staff. We have no collective bargaining agreements with theaters or choruses or uh, soloists or orchestras or stagehands. We don't have to worry about how to keep a building open for the summer months during a time like this or how to meet payroll for the next several months. We have the ability to dream and the flexibility to plan how to realize those dreams. This is a luxury that we experience, um, and it's also a privilege. And there, again, is that word, privilege. It's a word uh, of common parlance that three years ago I, I wouldn't have given a second thought um, but our privilege is something that is precisely that. It is to be thought about. It is to be understood in a fuller way. Um, and that's a process, a journey that uh, many of us are on. Uh, and we explore this mostly a, lot, mostly a lot in terms of race or gender, wealth, um, even sexuality. Um, but it also uh, is, is, comes to organizations that have or have not, as is the case now. Um, and in all these cases, privilege means responsibility. Um, 
In this case, the privilege to dream means the responsibility to interrogate, to innovate, to find new ways of doing things which uh, realize our mission more fully. Um, and above all, offering spaces that, whether it's hope or comfort or rage, no matter what the emotion, spaces which are responsive to this experience. I think looking forward needs to also contain looking backwards and periods like this herald sea changes in consciousness and art making, which is at once um, a response to and a synthesis of that change. History shows us this over and over and over again. Western culture, um, which is, of course, and it has to be said over and over again, just one of many cultures which do and have existed, each of which tell the same um, formal story in their particular ways. But Western culture is built on two things, drama and the epic. Think of Oedipus. The quintessential tragedy begins when, in a time of plague, it is a reckoning with a fight to understand the horror of randomness uh, and of loss, which, which is the plague. Funnily enough, there haven't been many musical responses to Sophocles' play, which is so um, iconic and, uh, and endemic. Um, but here is uh, a section from Stravinsky's rarely produced uh, opera, based on Oedipus. The text is by Jean Cocteau. The sung text is in Latin. The spoken narration uh, is, is originally in French, uh, of Cocteau, of course, but uh, meant to be sung in the language of the audience. It is uh, a, a stunning work uh, which gets right to the core, not only of what the play of Oedipus is, but why it exists. <laughs> And now think of our Western epic tradition, that blind bard Homer who is either a historic man or a tradition, no doubt both, offering up the Iliad as an attempt to process the incomprehensible nature of war, and the Odyssey seeking to understand an even deeper mystery, which is how war follows us home, how in times of peace we remain at war. 
in contrast to Sophocles' Oedipus, uh, these two uh, twin epics have been treated many, many times uh, in musical and, and operatic works, from Berlioz's Les Troyans to Purcell's Dido Aeneas, which of course is all actually based on Virgil's Aeneid, but it springs from, from the Iliad, uh, to Kate Soper's Here Be Sirens, which is the last work the in-series performed this season. My favorite uh, treatment of, of part of this epic is Monteverdi's opera, The Return of Ulysses, which looks um, at the experience of a soldier returning home to a place that no longer recognizes him. Here uh, is music from, from that work. This is Minerva's uh, aria, O Coraggioso, uh, which is O Courageous One, where she speaks in her true form to uh, to the soldier who has just discovered that he has landed finally after 10 years uh, in his homeland.
what about the birth of opera? The plagues that attacked Western Europe and the wider world throughout the Middle Ages certainly gave rise to an introspection from which dawned the Renaissance and the Enlightenment. A few podcasts ago, I spoke about uh, many of the literary works of the Renaissance being born out of a, an attempt to understand uh, war, again, in this case, the Crusades. But of course, uh, the, the suffering and tremendous death toll that, that Europe suffered from the bubonic plague uh, as it uh, had wave after wave after wave must have also given rise to, to this new, new realization of self. I just played an excerpt from Monteverdi, the, the first great opera composer's late work, The Return of Ulysses. It was composed barely over 50 years after opera was invented. Its narrative was taken from a work that was made to comprehend one paradigm shift, the Sophocles Oedipus. But its music is also part of a trend of innovation created to understand another paradigm shift, which is the Renaissance. One of the many things that humanism in this time of Renaissance gave us was the advent of opera itself, but also of music that, on a more basic level, of music that expresses the emotional condition of humanity. That, that is the musical response to the ideas of the Renaissance, in the same way that drama did this for the Greeks. The piece that uh, makes this most clear for me isn't actually one of those first Florentine uh, operas or even one of Monteverdi's operas, but rather this Gloria, which comes from his, uh, the Magnificat section of his Vespers of, of, uh, of 1610. Uh, I'm always aware when I listen to this uh, that Monteverdi had very recently lost his wife. He never remarried, even though he lived for another, um, another 30, 30 plus years. Uh, here, here, hear, here, how he uh, composes a roar to the heavens by a, by a single man, by an individual screaming into the universe, and nothing responds except for a cantus firmus, like the slow ticking of time. In just the same way, Charles Ives' unanswered question does the same thing and the same musical device to achieve it. Here it's a trumpet howling into a universal void which answers with nothing but stillness.
I'm mostly aware uh, of how the world has changed more recently. Uh, I'm thinking uh, of the Second World War uh, by the realization of the closeness of monstrosity. Perhaps even that monstrosity is not anathema to us as individuals uh, or as peoples. And also of the potential for the whole of it to be wiped clean in an instant, that this could all disappear uh, in a moment. Everything was different after, after that, after uh, the horrors of the war and of the realization of what a nuclear age meant. And this was a time of some of the most artistic creations of the 20th century. I think of Max Reinhardt and his production of Every Man played in the ruins of a recently bombed out cathedral. Uh, but even the chamber operas of Britain were a formal reaction, as was theater of the absurd, modernism. Um, and for me, this is represented nowhere more clearly than in the French composer Olivier Messiaen's quartet for the end of time. He was a composer who was himself a prisoner of war. Um, and his response is to tear forms apart, to, to tear away the old ways of doing things to approach something which is truly new, um, because clearly what was old wasn't working. I'll say that again. To create something new because what was old wasn't working. This encapsulates my feelings about where we are today. There's a lot that wasn't working in the way we were doing things in opera making and in theater making. Creativity is now no longer a choice. It is seen for what it truly is, a survival mechanism, a requirement. I am enjoying a period of creating in new ways and being forced to understand our artist's role in being, um, having the luxury to think about it in an intentional way. At in-series, this has meant having the courage to scrap almost all of our future plans and to dream anew, finding new forms, learning new things, investigating, asking different questioning, questions, challenging ourselves to be unlike ourselves. I have to confess it is exhilarating, and I'm looking forward to sharing this, uh, these, new, these new paths with you and journeying with the, on them together. Friends, I hope you're staying well, and I hope you are feeling connected in this time. We are less alone than ever before, actually. We are all in this together. As you know, Rabindranath Tagore tells us that civility is the first work of art. This week, as we go forward, make your lives civil, and they will be your own works of art.